I'm Ian Dark, and you're listening to Men in Blazers, sub-optimal radio on the Grantland Network. Oh, it's incredible! You could not write a script like this! From the Embassy Row Studios in the crap part of Soho, it's the Men in Blazers podcast. Oh, David, spring! Spring. Yeah, the Masters has happened. Yeah. We really need some of that awful guitar music from the Masters to usher us in. I like it. <laughs> you do not like that. I love Nobody it. outside, if you if you had to listen to that piece of music, if you had to listen to that piece of music at any other point, not around the Masters, you would you would kill yourself. No, wrong. Do you know what it reminds <laughs> me of whenever it comes back on? What? Reminds me of being face down. On the massage table. That's weird, because it also and reminds me of Rolf Harris. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Americans, Google him. Um, oh, I did love it, though. Bubba Watson. Yeah. Eating his celebration Masters winning meal. Yeah. At a Waffle House. Yeah. Maybe the most American thing of all time. Or Belgian. But oh. it is, it's, it's Belgian-American. Just emphasis on the word Bubba. Yeah. Bubba, I can guarantee to all of our listeners, I think we tweeted this out... There is no Englishman present living, nor past in history. And I'm going back before England was born, when there were yeah. Anglo-Saxons and Picts running yeah. around the, the, the There's never been world. a Bubba. Never there been. were no Picts called Bubba. There's never been an English Bubba. There was never a soothsayer called Bubba. A Druid was never called Bubba. <laughs> or, or, or maybe a brave warrior who repelled the Vikings single-handedly was never called Randy. Yeah. That, by the way, the brave warrior who repelled the Vikings uh, single-handedly is not dissimilar from the Cossack killers in your family. Oh, they were always coming. Buddy? They were never yeah. one called Buddy? No. Cletus, another great American name. We, don't have, we Bo- don't have them. Bocephus? We don't have many bows. Bow. Is it, when I first came to school in America and there was a bow, I thought that was an amazing name. I tell you, we don't have happies. Like, when I read um, Death of a Salesman, yeah. I wanted to be known after that. Despite the terribly tragic... That's so say, not like you. No, I wanted people to say, hey, here's Happy Bennett. How great that? It's never going to happen. It's not caught on. It didn't count. You can't nickname yourself. Yeah, but Bubba, what an amazing golfer. Yeah. He plays... Oh, just his stance, his swing, his pink driver. He just steps up and hits the golf ball. Yeah. You would never teach anybody to hit a golf ball like Bubba, but it's just, it's brilliant. You know it's why he does so well at the Masters? Why? I think because... Because he hits it so much further than anybody else. No, he's just very at home in the butler cabin. <laughs> it reminds him, it reminds him of the, the, the uh, extra large changing room in men's warehouse where they put the wheelchair clientele. I think he looks like a man who feels very at home in a men's the warehouse. The butler cabin is crap. It is. We talked about this. I'm not even sure that's real wood. I don't understand it. I think it, it's sort of linoleum on the walls. It's pleather. It's all pleather yeah. and velour, and I'm sure there's a little bit of lucite, a lot of lucite in the butler cabin. And America, you're normally so good at pageantry and pomp. I feel like the Masters kind of caught its sleeve on the doorway in time in about 1987, Dave. Mm-hmm. It's just not caught up with modernity. All that hair dye. Oh, the hair dye again. Uh, Those sanctimonious men talking about the game of honour and truth while they're literally taking barrels of black dye and putting it in their hair. Oh, God. When I watch the Butler Cabin... Golf is so ripe for us, Rog. Men in blazers, golf. Golf in blazers. I'd love to do golf in blazers. Golf in blazers. It's ripe for us. I'd love it. I'd love it. You know, when I, cause when, now when I watch the Butler Cabin, yeah. I feel like that technology that never took yeah. off has taken off smellow vision. <laughs> I feel like my own room, my own front room is overpowered by the musty stench of breath mints and mothballs, yeah. which is, it's no doubt what the Butler Cabin I could do like. an hour just on Jonas Blixt. 
<laughs> Such an interesting. The names in golf, honestly, I could just go on for Matt Kuchar. There are so many good names. Jordan Spieth. You just. They're just names that you would only find with golfers. Fuzzy Zeller. Fuzzy Zeller is <laughs> such a good name. <laughs> such a good name. Coolest golfer ever. Chip Beck. Lee Trevino. Lee Trevino, great name. Oh, I watched him practice yeah. his driving at the Open once. Yeah. And this was in the 1980s, early 80s, when northern life in England was bleak. Like, like in the Middle Ages, it was nasty, brutish and short. And we watched this Lee Trevino, this pizzazz this hollywood kind of figure practice on the driving range with his caddy standing 10 feet away from him as he took the big wood drove it with all of his might and the caddy would just catch it with a baseball glove on it was amazing i once followed lee trevino around at a at a uh, i don't think it was the british open i think it was the scottish open and he hits a he hits a draw rog he hits a big <laughs> big draw almost a hook off an open fade slice stance and just so he opens up to hit slice, and then he hits the ball, draw. And honestly, watching him hit the ball made my nuts hurt. <laughs> That's because it was so, it was like, ugh, every time he hit it. It's a nice segue, because this was a weekend in which my nipples didn't stop tingling. Rog, we are 17 19ths, or 16 19ths, depending on who you follow in the Premier League, through the Premier League season. And we still, although we, we feel the momentum with Liverpool Football Club, and I don't know whether momentum... I think momentum is important, but I'm not sure there's any scientific proof that it is. We still have no idea who's going to win the Premier League. It's an unsolvable we, It's an unsolvable problem. mystery. We have it, no idea. It's like physicists all around the world have stopped trying to solve, like, P versus MP or the Ryman yeah. hypothesis or the Navier-Stokes existence yeah. module. And they're trying to work out who the hell is going to win this thing. And the second you say it, I think at a, when Liverpool went 2-0 up at the weekend, I think you tweeted that... That's it, championship to, to Liverpool. And of course, Man City then turn around and get two back. This, you can't call it from minute to minute. You know what minute. it reminds me of? Even when someone lifts the trophy in the air, I'm not sure we can be sure no, that that team has won the fool, Premier League. Only a, a fool, fool. <laughs> only a fool would say. When, that, when, the, when, when the trophy when the, is lifted, when the only a fool would cannons, say. Yeah. Wait for the confetti cannons. Yeah. That's, what you wait for the, yeah. what, that's what you need to wait for. Yeah. It reminds me, Davo. Yeah. I've only seen this once before in sports, something this close. And it was at the beginning of Cars, the movie, when Chick Hicks, Lightning McQueen, yeah. and Mr. The King, they're neck and neck in the oh, final so lap right. of the final race of the Piston Cup. And we've got to work out, we're going to find out in the next four or five weeks, which of these teams at the top have that sprinkle of Pixar magic, David. Liverpool have it within their own destiny, and yet Chelsea have it within their destiny to change Liverpool's destiny and affect it. And Manchester City, a destiny's child. Oh. Waterfalls. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, uh, I mean, it's, it's wheels within wheels, Davo. I will say, we've got a pack show today. TLC, not Destiny's Child. We've got a pack show today. We do have a pack show today, Rog. We're going to talk about everything going on in the uh, Premier League, an emphatic weekend of emotion-soaked football. I'm still wet, Rog. Uh, we're going to break down all the latest in the league, probing. Nice. Yeah, we're going to probe both the top, and we will sully ourselves at the bottom of the table. Arsenal fans, you can listen to us once more with glee as we celebrate the mighty upset that was your team's conquering of defending title holders and FA Cup specialist Wigan Athletic on penalties. Uh, we're going to tend to your Ravens, and we're going to welcome on this our Passover special, Rog. Yes. Happy Passover. Passover. Can you special. say happy Passover, or is it very sad? Um, you know why it's happy? Is it happy? First of all, 
Well, we got Heim because you're on. Happy Bennett. We got Heim. Yeah, Happy Bennett. We do Bennett. have Heim coming we, on, and to me, they're the thinking man's banana rama. I tell you, my daughter for the first time has got very excited about our podcast. My nine-year-old because she loves Heim. I'm excited for Passover this year, yeah, David. Not you always are. excited, but I, it, the, the Israelites escaped from slavery. Yeah. To freedom. Mm-hmm. It's eerily reminiscent of Everton's season with Roberto <laughs> Martinez in the Charlton Heston role. That's so uh, true. Happy Passover to all our listeners. Happy Easter to all of our listeners. And happy any other religious holiday that you may or may not be celebrating. While we are talking with gravitas and seriousness, yeah. I will just say, and we've talked a little bit at the top of the pod about emotion and ceremony. Yeah. 25th anniversary of Hillsborough. All the games this weekend starting seven minutes late. What a beautiful, beautiful moment. I mean, football, we talk about so much darkness, so much that's cynical, so much that's empty and barren, and we always revel in it. But to see the way, 25 years on, the tragedy that's never healed in Liverpool, 96 fans went to a football game, an FA Cup semi-final, and due to the chaos and disorganisation around that stadium, were crushed to death and they never came home. I mean, English football's never been the same. The tragedy's taken 25 years to get to court, perhaps a legacy of the disrespect Liverpool receives from the rest of English society. But to see the, the anniversary taken on so beautifully in almost every quarter, Davo, I, I found myself sobbing. I, I did find myself sobbing ahead of the, uh, the Liverpool-Manchester City game of all the memories and, and emotions that were conjured. And we should say there were a minority of idiots, some of them uh, uh, Chelsea fans at the Swansea game and at uh, uh, three or four other grounds around the country who decided to sing through, um, through that minute silence and just despicable behaviour. Idiots, idiots, idiots. But I would say the vast, 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 vast majority of uh, soccer fans and uh, British people and and fans all over the world uh, honoured this and respected this and and, and respected the memory. And the scenes at Liverpool before kickoff were just so thoroughly moving. Um, uh, I'm not sure I've ever been as moved before a soccer game um, I think sometimes the minute silence and the honouring of everybody gets overdone so that it's, it, it doesn't mean anything. This was so meaningful. This is why we have those moments. And, um, you know, football is very unique. It is a communion between the fans in the stadium and the players on the field and the fans watching uh, in Britain and all over the world. And what makes the Premier League just so beautiful and so unique. And our thoughts go out to the families and friends of uh, the 96. As they do on the first anniversary of the Boston Marathon tragedy. Absolutely. Very to all true. our friends in New England, we'll just say, walk on, you'll yep. never walk alone. Absolutely. Uh, these two cities tied together in so many ways at this point. Um, Rog, let's get straight to the football. As we said, between 32 38s, 16 19s, and 34 38s, 17 19s, Rog, through the Premier League season. Things coming down to the wire, but it still feels that apart from Sunderland, Rog, anybody can win the Premier League title. It is tight. It is <sighs> tight, tight at the top. It's tight, tight at the everywhere. bottom, David. It's, it's really tight. Uh, Liverpool. Three, Rog, let's jump right in. Manchester City, two, in an emotional game, a more than emotional game, that more than lived up to the hype. Liverpool ran rampant, then ran scared for a little bit, and then they saw off a remarkably resilient Manchester City effort to retain the top spot and move from dreamers to believers. Well, I think they've been believing for quite a long time. I think they've now got a lot more to believe in. Those scenes at the end with Steven oh. Gerrard, Rog. Okay. I mean, I'll say this was this felt like more than a win, David. If we still lived in the Middle Ages, yeah, I think epic ballads would have been written already about this victory that would be <laughs> performed on lute and lyre. Yeah, and I think they probably. I think knowing a Liverpool. 
poet, what is it? His name is Dave Kirkby. I can't remember what his name is from being Liverpool. Did I get it? And by the way, I'm pretty sure that he's already written poems, several poems about this game. He's probably worked out some half rhymes for Sterling, but I don't. Unfurling. I don't. (laughs) Unfurling. With earthlings. It was it was it was a beautiful Olympic curling. It was a beautiful, beautiful ninety-eight minutes of football. I mean, honestly, that, as I said earlier, it's what we call in Liverpool a true nipple tingler. What a start to the game! You've mentioned it: the cop, the noise, the singing, the emotion. I mean, they bellowed, "You'll never walk alone," like the Brazilian national anthem in uh, Fortaleza in the Confederations Cup. And I've been at Anfield for the derby, the derby that will not be named. I'm still shell shocked from the way. Liverpool just came out of the gates in that game. And we talked about it ahead of this game. I couldn't imagine how City could live with Liverpool. And for the first 20, 30 minutes, it's exactly what happened. City folded within six minutes. Suarez's physical power, Davey, he he barreled over Clichy. Unbelievable use of the bum. He literally bummed. Young he bumped him. He bumped Clichy. He, he off the ball. He bumped, yeah, me. bumped him. Clichy, bumped yeah. me. Bumming's fine. Play on. And then he played in... Jete bummed. He played in Sterling and Furling. Yeah. He jinxed. Earthlings. He did a little nay nay, fleet of foot and mine, 19 year old, in front of the cop, Davo. How cool is that? How rampant Presence is that? Presence of mind, that finish. One should say, Joe Hart, what on earth are you doing coming off your line there? Let your defenders defend. But Sterling dealt with it in a way that I just could not imagine another English player in the Premier League doing so. It was un English. It was un English. Um, you know, some would say it was Jamaican, seeing as Sterling, I think, was eligible to play soccer for Jamaica as well. But he's chosen England, and, you know, Roy Hodgson at the game, watching this tremendous English talent playing for Liverpool, he's been given a gift. This is why England are going to be better than most people believe at the World Cup. Sterling's finish was phenomenal, and what, you know, oh my God, we, we could, I mean, I could, we could do a whole podcast on what Brendan Rodgers has done right at Liverpool this season. But that he's taken Sterling from a player in November who, as you came back from Liverpool and reported that they were even talking about selling out on loan, where that young man has come to now... Absolutely. I mean, I did an interview with Frank McParland, who ran the youth team then. He was fired shortly afterwards, which makes us suppose this story even sweeter. And he told me that, um, and it's hard to imagine now, Sterling was their disappointment before December the 8th, the Norwich game. I think he was really making poor decisions, he seemed to be tangentially involved he seemed really most likely uh, in the Premier Leagues to get an unsavoury neck tattoo but he's had a complete turnaround and he's remade himself uh, from a team with a penchant for court cases he's become a sprightly intelligent surging and yes English David very English he's only played in 23 games I think 23 or 24 games all season for Liverpool Liverpool have not played anywhere near as many games as almost any other team, certainly way less than Man City and Chelsea, and that's one of the reasons they're so fresh at this part. But also, he's got performances out of members of the squad that I don't think, in it, before the holidays, I don't think that before uh, November, December, I don't think he even thought he was going to get performances out of. I mean, it was to get worse for City. Yaya Toure picked up a knock while depositing the ball in Rosie. We're still waiting for a fitness report, but rumours have him out for the rest of the season. Watching him stumble off and Kevin Klein look alike, uh, have he got, see a tip toe on. It's like that scene in The Godfather where the Corleone's muscle, Luca Brasi, is garroted in the bar and you just knew that City were vulnerable and were about to get absolutely battered. And to watch City being so, not just looking average, but watch City being eviscerated yes. as though they're just, you know, a lowly team, as though they're just a Fulham or a Norwich 
It was like watching Revenge of the Nerds or when Anthony Edwards and the lads one. just did over the jocks. Yeah. It was absolutely it's Charles Atlas going back on the beach and giving it to the bullies who'd thrown sand in his eyes. And who was it? It was Goal Machine, screaming Skirtle with the second. Mm-hmm. The, whenever he scores, I'm full of fear for him, but I'm also relieved that it's him that scored because it's impossible to Skirtle yourself. Who wants to sex Martin Skirtle? I, I, they, all of his teammates, based on that celebration. I mean, he got, talking about being bummed, it was, uh, <laughs> he was right on the bottom of a large pile of red. Oh, he deserved right it. What a goal. It's a kind of flick from the kind of place that John Terry likes to head the ball into his own net. Yeah, it was. It's very true. And this is against City. They conceded twice since February the 3rd. Yeah. Yet were two down within 26 minutes. Skull, his seventh Premier League goal of the season. Is he the real striker, Davey? No. Chelsea have been talking about. But he is the... Mo- we'd love him at Chelsea. <laughs> but Ettores Bartle. Um, but he is the most improved player in the Premier League. You know, Bailey has scored for the last few seasons, seven this season, Rog, in the Premier League. He'd be the leading scorer on seven of the Premier League teams, David. Yeah. Watching him motivate himself, this is the highlight of the game before the second half. Mm-hmm. Did you see it? No. Where he kind of whispered into his hands and then started to slap himself on either side of the face. People loved it. But I actually think it's an, it was an act of misdirection uh-huh. by Skirtle to throw journalists off the scent that his real self-motivation technique is to jam his genitalia in the locker door before taking the field. <laughs> really? On what are you basing that? Poetry, imagination, <laughs> yeah. desire. A, there's a, po- there's, a, poem, there's a poem written by Dave Kirby about that very, very thing. Jamming your genitalia. <laughs> you can just imagine. Um, I'm actually writing. Um, then, man, I'm writing Martin. I'm ghosting Martin Skirtle's autobiography. <laughs> What's it called? Ethnic cleansing and other hobbies. <laughs> yeah, we will. Uh, I look forward to reading that one. Yep. Um, but Man City came back, Rog. Yeah, they came back. They did. What, what happened at half time, David? Well, what happened? Well, I think great players. I mean, I don't think there was a huge tactical shift. There was a the substitution of James Milner in the second half. Which gave them more crucial, shape. Gave them more shape and gave them, you know, where we thought that Man City were going to have success against Liverpool was down the middle. It wasn't down the middle. It was on the flanks. They started eating into him. And the movement of James Milner, blah, that's the kind of James Milner we wanted to see playing for England for England ages. England again. England, England again. again. What a day for England other oh. than Joe. Let's ignore Joe Hart's performance. Can, can we just say? Yeah. I do wonder what went on in that Liverpool locker room at half-time. The team probably had punched themselves out a little bit on the emotion, the adrenaline. I wonder, too, if they'd look down like a high-wire artist on a high-wire. Never look down at your feet and see how high you are. And, and just got filled a little bit with a sense of what they'd achieved. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they seemed battered when they came out. It could have been that Brendan Rodgers' big mistake was that instead of giving a team talk, he chose to sit for a portrait he'd had commissioned in gouache. A nude entitled Sir Brendan Rogers, a brilliant mind. One of those three probably things is probably true. But David Silver. It will be Sir Brendan Rogers one day. Oh, not before there's a Sir Tony Poulis. We'll talk about that. David Silver took over the game. Watching him without Yaya Toure. It was like imagining Snoop without Chris Partley. I think it's got to be Lord Poulis of Palace. Oh, I love that. Less yeah. potent. Less potent David Silver without Yaya, but he can still hurt you. And did he ever? Liverpool started defending like the Starship Enterprise when it shields them. Beautifully worked goal. Game yeah, one. Yeah, fantastic. I mean, Man City came back into the game. They got to 2-2. Oh, and then... The Meadow Lark Lemon lobbing it around. David I know. Silver turned into cannoning it in off Glenn Johnson. At T. Grant, we asked over Men in Blazers, what do you feel like now, Liverpool fans, when it went to 2-2? He said, at Men in Blazers, I now know what Cub fans felt after Steve Bartram t- stole the ball from Moises. It was that kind of emotion shift David yeah. seismic and yet 
at that point, Liverpool did their next truly impressive thing. It's being thoroughly outplayed with all of the momentum to Manchester City. Not in the face, not in the face, not in the face. David Silva with that beautiful Kun Aguero. Oh. Championships are won. You always say championships are won and lost on thinnest of margins. Yeah, and his was a... Thin. If he took a size four shoe instead of a child's three, yeah. he would have got more of a toe on it. I it asked on Twitter, thin. what is tinier than a tiny margin? <laughs> and Little Horse was a good answer. Uh, but a nano margin. These, these are nano margins, Rog. Nano margins. On which empires are built. Yeah. And, and, you know, we haven't even mentioned the first half that, you know, frankly, Suarez was somewhat lucky to still be on the field after the simulation in the, in the first half that should, have, uh, that should have probably have bought a second yellow card. So... Um, but Liverpool got back into it. Of all people, Vasson Company made an absolutely horrific defensive blunder. I mean, as you said, it's girls under 10 stuff, that it, was. It was it was him of all Football people. Football that I watch and enjoy every week right the now. The symbolic power of the failing leader. And by the way, we've talked about this. He's not been that good this season. We talk about him as the security blanket. That was seasons past. This season, his form has been inconsistent, erratic. And Philip Coutinho, how he pounced tiny tiny little man his shooting boots often look like they've been put on the wrong feet to be candid they call him david blaine in liverpool because of the magic he can conjure with the pass his shooting i mean he often puts it nearer the corner flag than the goal but, but here joe hart instinctive. it was a fantastic finish there's no that joe hart could have saved that but i did notice that at one end mignolet is making save after save after save Superhuman. i'm not sure that joe hart made a single save in this game oh he pulled a great face as that but he pulled a face that shows <laughs> he's good at pulling really faces. As if you watch that goal again his face is that boy bends his neck back to see the ball go into the corner what a release for coutinho i mean this was like watching anfield's hagler hearns and cleats yeah and at the end five minutes added on for i think mostly five minutes because suarez every time the whistle was blown for offside. He kept booting the ball, repeatedly booting the ball. Like RVP has been sent off for that. Yeah. Um, but they, five minutes extra. What's five minutes when you've been waiting for 24 years for a championship? Stevie G, the longest 90 minutes I've ever played, he said. What was it like watching him, Davo, at the end when he was just reduced to tears? That Liverpool lad on the Hillsborough anniversary in which he lost the cousin, now within touching distance of his first title in his career. Well, it's what... It's the kind of emotion that we always want to see from footballers and we always want to see from captains. Gerard is the prototypical captain. And he's English. And he's English. But I mean, I was quite struck that this was, a, this was a unique emotion about being the captain of Liverpool Football Club. I'm not sure, even after winning a semi-final in the World Cup, if Gerard could conjure that much emotion. And or even though this is a guy who loves captaining his country, is a great patriot, and and wants to go and do it, but this is uniquely tied to Liverpool. This is the one trophy he has not won with Liverpool as the Premier League. This is on the anniversary, the 25th anniversary of Hillsborough. This is a a very not only personal to him as a Liverpool player and and you know, uh, you know a Liverpool lad, but the fact that he had a cousin who was who, who was lost in the tragedy as well. And it was wonderful to watch. You know, it's tough not to even as a Chelsea fan. It is really, really difficult not to root for Steven Gerrard and Liverpool to win this title. Because even as a Chelsea fan, Dave, there's still a small part of you that's <laughs> of still a human being. There's still a small part. <laughs> I am still a biped. I, I still have two legs and I walk on them. I've got to tell you, watching him, it was wild of football. It makes me feel emotions that you're meant to be able to summon often in real life, but I that can't. Happiness. Yeah. <laughs> and just empathy. Empathy. <laughs> empathy for another human being. And vicarious 
joy. I mean, I can't imagine the emotions he must have been feeling. But what I loved about him was that unlike, and we'll talk about Mourinho uh, in a minute, unlike some people in football, he had a chance to make it all about him. But he made it about the team. He got them in the huddle and he screamed at them, um, talking about, let's not let this grip go. We've got to go to Norwich. We've got to focus on the next game. But also his voice suddenly got deeper. I'm not convinced that this is Steven Gerrard. His voice got very deep when he was shouting. Interesting. That's passion, It's a David. much deeper voice. His voice. He's the one human whose voice gets deeper when he gets excited. It's, um, it's passion. Yeah. And I loved it when in the interview afterwards, and they said, what did you talk about to the players after the game? None of your business. None of your business. Totally, totally great line. I think a lot of people came up with a lot of respect for a man who adores Phil Collins more than the everyday <laughs> human being. You can say Liverpool were lucky. You can say that Suarez should have been punished for his diving. You can say Skirtle's clear handball in the area right at the end that wasn't punished. Um, you can say... But that's not what football is. Football is about getting the ball in the back of the net more times than your opponent. I mean, you could also say, remember the Manchester City fixture when Liverpool were denied Sterling's legitimate goal uh, yeah. on, the, on a bunches offside. But you would say to me, Davo, oh, I've spent enough time around you to say luck is critical in, yep. any, ti- in any title campaign. Mm-hmm. And after the guts they displayed in that win, to go ahead 2-0, to seed, almost seed the lead, Almost go behind. Liverpool deserve this. My to win like coach, that. In yeah. those, and in those Warrior jerseys too, Dave. To do anything in those Warrior jerseys. Human admiration. I know, amazing. My tennis coach always used to say to me that luck goes to the player who wants it more. And I think that that's where the net cords tend to fall. The player who wants it more, the player who deserves it more, tends to get, the, tends to, tends, tends to get that. I'm not sure that that's necessarily true, but I do think that it balances out of the season. At this point in the Premier League, I want the best team. I want the best team standing at the end of the season to go and win the Premier League. At this point, the best team in the Premier League is clearly Liverpool. 14 wins on the trot, Rog. 14 wins on the trot in the Premier League. We've never seen it. We have never, ever seen it. And it is just phenomenal what Brendan Rodgers has his team doing. Yes, they're not playing in Europe. Yes, they haven't advanced very far in cup competitions. And this has created this opportunity for them. But it is a just phenomenal, just a football that they are playing and Roy Hodgson should be literally he should he should no be fre- he, he should go no up to Brendan Rodgers no and French him yep. this is how amazingly the, this guy has done him a favor. can I say one thing about Liverpool yeah the swashbuckling success this season so well timed from a North American perspective with NBC's ratings exploding yeah and they, Rebecca Lua they have gained a huge new American audience of these new first-time fans who will become Liverpool diehards for life, or if not for life, maybe a year or two. Yeah, these guys who think Man United are just yeah. sad mid-table teams. A lot of Tottenham, a lot of formerly Tottenham fans are now jumping onto Liverpool. But it's a, uh, but also fantastic timing with where other teams are. Pellegrini, a first-year coach oh, at yes. Man City. Mourinho, his first year back at Chelsea. Um, United, United, a team in transition with a with a, with, with a first-year manager, um, and you just feel that this was the perfect year for them to get to this place. And that's money going to go in. They're going to play in the Champions League. Uh, If you're an international football player and you're really good, and you probably were wherever you're in Spain, you're in Italy, you're in Germany, you're in South America. I like the way you're looking at me when you're saying this. You are... Yes, boss. No, but you are watching this game this weekend. Where do you want to go and play in the Premier League? You want to go and play football at Liverpool Football Club. Or go on loan to Everton. Maybe go on loan to Everton. Of course, you'd be near Liverpool and go on loan to Everton. I will say one slight button on this. The Henderson sending off. 
the possible injuries to Sturridge and Toure that we're still waiting for uh, yeah, we haven't heard a lot the full it extent. It's going to be interesting. Could be another wrinkle, another wheel within wheel this season, Davo. Yeah. Although I do. You don't believe in destiny. I do, and I think Liverpool believe that they are a team of destiny this season. Great tweet from Ad- Life is so much more exciting when you don't believe in destiny. I anyway, go ahead. I don't believe in free will. At El Casar, <laughs> he says, at Men in Blazers, what did Brendan Rodgers say to his portrait when he came home that night after the game, threw his car keys onto the little... That portrait, I guarantee, is no longer... Number one, he's no longer in that house. He moved out. Oh, yeah. And secondly, there's no way he took the portrait, because that portrait is of old Brendan Rodgers. It's not of new, slimmed down, tanned, teeth done, hair done. Like, that. It, it, that's old Brendan Rodgers. He probably has a portrait of new Brendan Rodgers. The nude I was talking yeah. about. <laughs> yeah. Whatever, when it was the nude. Yeah. The beautiful mind, that one's called. Or it's the old one. I bet you he winked at it. Yeah. Flicked his finger at it and said, you look like Matthew McGonaghy in 10 years' time. Yeah. Oh, but God, they play beautiful football, Liverpool Football Club. Congratulations to... Slightly to less beautiful football. Oh, my God. Swansea nil, Chelsea won. Is this even worth talking about? 10-man Swansea... Uh, all but frustrated Jose Mourinho's Champions League semi-finalist for long spells until real striker Demba Bar Eto Rosbar scuffed his second match winner in less than a week I'm not sure he scuffed it it was a fairly fortunate it wasn't a bad contact it just was deflected and Michael Vaughan probably should have done oh, a God tell me after 98 minutes of scintillating Liverpool Manchester City finery yep to go to the greeting I saw that was Swansea against the Idan Azardless Chelsea mm-hmm. it was like leaving the perfect sauna yeah and plunging into an ice bath I mean this is a Chelsea team each of their I mean he has not rotated that squad very much he's got these players they've all played 40 plus games they look very tired they seem to never have much passion for going to the smaller teams in the Premier League playing away from home Willian honestly who I think is a very good footballer plays with all the urgency of a of a uh of sort of, you know, somebody who's just left the pub and has played his fifth consecutive game down the park after being a bit buzzed on a, on, on a summer evening. He just plays cider. with no... Cider. I know, snake bite. He had a snake bite. But plays with so little urgency. Um, I think that they were, uh, you know, I think Chico Flores was sent off as much for reputation and for that haircut. That, that was the was most prolonged else. sending off. I've ever seen him alone. I don't think it's a bad thing. I don't think it's bad. I don't think it's a bad thing for for referees to take their time and, 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 and to think of decisions like that. Nor do I think, I think that, you know, despite the commentators, you know, wanting that second foul not to be anywhere near deserving a yellow card, it was a foul that had he not got the first one, would almost certainly have picked up a yellow card. You're going to see those given as yellow cards. I agree. And by the way, Chico Flores was Meshuggah for giving the referee the opportunity to make the decision in the first place. But John Terry did frankly what most players in the Premier League do and he actually did it way more politely than John Terry usually does it walking up to the referee and asking for him to be sent off or saying well doesn't that look like a yellow card ref <laughs> Phil Dowd says I'm thinking about it John go away and he uh, and John goes away and he sends him off but I love that Jay, by the way the referee's assistants Jay Mourinho and Jay Terry helping him <laughs> yeah. and I loved also actually yeah. this was shocking to me because it was disgusting to watch but John Terry Fair enough. He, he talked about it in the newspapers. Yes, I did. I went up to the ref and I said, "It's a second yellow for me." Was his quote. But this isn't. But this isn't a uniquely. Believe me, we can. 
we, we can put another black mark against John Terry for this, but... The fact is that every team in football does exactly the same thing. Let's just say John thing. Terry is done worse. What was more <laughs> yeah, interesting fair was enough. that Chelsea failed to capitalise on their one-man advantage. Salah became Egyptian for Shas, Eto'o, Cameroonian for Fernando Torres. Is, is Salah Arabic for Shas? Because yeah. I, I think it might be. Yeah. Scuff. Maybe Scuff and Shas. I mean, I'm, a, I'm an expert in the Semitic languages, but Demba Bar, the forgotten man. Tell us about your theory, Davo. You don't have a real striker, quote Jose Mourinho. What do you have? We've, we, we have a Franken-striker, Eto Resba. <laughs> it's three men combining. Yeah, to make one. I mean, he's still a sub-Martin Skirtle striker, Eto Resba. But somehow, Eto Resba, I feel a little bit better. I'm, I've actually ordered my Eto Resba jersey oh, I love it. from the Chelsea Megastore. Like, it's like Chicago Bulls fans. You remember Luke Longley, Bill Purdue, and Bill Wennington. Yeah. Awful, awful. Although I do, I adore Luke Longley. Yeah. More than any, I think he's up there with Sam Cassell as my favourite pro basketball player of all time. <laughs> but they were all crap. But three of them squished together, the Hacker Shack. That's yeah. what Chelsea are playing up front. Yeah, it is Hacker Shack. Uh, Demba Bar and Old Scar, unfortunately, the ball just slows down. It literally, the ball goes to Demba Bar and it just never, ever, ever comes out or off his feet. But he found a way to go and score a goal. Good for him. Chelsea needed the three points. But no one's better at finishing Jamali than Demba Bar. The fact is, if you like attacking football, other than the odd piece of Edan Hazard or Edan Hazard or uh, Shirley, don't call me Shirley Magic, you don't watch Chelsea to watch attacking football. But what if you do appreciate the totality of the game, total football, Chelsea, once again, at the back, they have conceded so many fewer goals than anybody else if in the you, Premier if League. If you want attacking that's football, why still there. watch Swansea yeah. classily stumble oh. ever closer to the relegation zone. If you want something I actually admire, David, watching this game, I try to think of positives because I'm happy Bennett. Yeah. It's a remarkable thing about their performances. And, and by the way, the Champions League semi-finals await because of this. This is a team that never give up. That always believe they're going to win, David. They have winning. I think more than any other Premier League team, United used to be like this. They find a way to win and have winning embedded in their DNA. Chelsea are the Champions League, frankly, still is in their future. And it's why they defend very well, because they are mentally very, very tough. You know, they defend horizontally half the time. They just block more shots. They get in there. They do not like people putting the ball in the net past them. And that's why they're still a very, very good team. And what he's got those midfielders doing, their defensive duties, it is, it is quite incredible to see. Champions the- League, my favourite part of it was the Chelsea fans singing to the PSG players, where were you in World War II? <laughs> but if I could guarantee you only one, David... Poor, poor, poor PSG players, none of them were born. The Champions League... Yeah. Well, none of them even know what World War Two is. I bet, I bet if we ask them. If I could give you one as a Chelsea fan, which yeah. would you prefer to win? The Premier League this season or the Champions League? I think most seasons I would almost certainly take, to me, I think you and I have discussed it before, Premier League is number one, Champions League is number two, um, FA Cup three, Carling Cup four. I don't know where fourth place, I don't know where Champions League qualification even, even comes in. I'd probably in. put it in as number two to be candid, but go on. Really? Yeah. Premier League one, Champions League qualification above winning the Champions League. No, no I think you want to win the Champions yeah, League, yeah, then right, maybe Champions it. League qualification, yeah. FA Cup, League Cup, Charlie Stilatano Cup. Unless you're an Arsenal fan who's just come back to the pod after not listening, the FA Cup's the, the most, most important, important in the history, important, yeah. in the most in yeah. history Given, of football. Yeah. More important than a, than a fourth place finish. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and of course... I've got to tell you, though, there's part of me that 
that actually wants to see Liverpool win the Premier League this year. I think it's a better thing. I think Chelsea are built more for Champions League success at this point. I think that they are just a team that, over a two-leg fixture, you know, keeping the scores low, I actually think they've got... I think Atletico Madrid are perhaps the worst matchup for Chelsea in the Champions League, not the best one, because Atletico Madrid, actually, Chelsea may be the best defence in, in, in England in, uh, in the Premier League, but Atletico Madrid are the best defensive team in football. In football. I mean, so I both teams are built to counter-attack, and it's going to be very, uh, it should be very, very interesting. Yep, good stuff. Okay, Rod, Sunderland nil, Everton won. Talking about bleak football, an own goal from Wes Brown. That was an excellent. We've seen some amazing own goals this season. Uh, gave a subpar Everton their seventh straight win and a record-breaking number of points in the Premier League. Congratulations, Rod. Thanks, David. Seven straight wins for the first time in team history. And this one was at what I fell away under, never mind the quality, fill the width. It was... Um, I think we were hungover from the joyous Prosecco football that we unfurled against Arsenal. Um, bottom of the table, Sunderland were ready for a knife fight. Everton was shell-shocked at the beginning by the poor manners of their hosts, and it was a scrappy, bruising, desperate encounter. Mm-hmm. Wes Brown, the own goal, Jerry de la Feu, our maker, he tortured Alonso on the right-hand side all game long, and though his final decision-making was occasionally erratic here, the prod bounced off the bruising ginger, and I have to say it was a pretty cool blow for a proud team. Because um, Sunderland could definitely feel that they should have got something from this game. They did us at Goodison Park just before Christmas. Um, so maybe this squared things up. I was actually in Sunderland last week, David, filming my ESPN, the US Men's National Team documentary. Mm-hmm. And it was just a reminder, being in Newcastle, beautiful city, mm-hmm. beautiful city. And Sunderland, I mean, a proud proud place and seeing just how much football means to those cities and how poorly unbelievably poorly their owners have tended to their teams is heartbreaking this was ugly for Everton a massive massive three points it was John Goodman sized you're going to ask me what do I think we're two points above Arsenal now in the fourth slot what do you think Rog you're two points above Arsenal you're in the driver's seat you control your destiny to make it to the Champions League in this museum quality fake table that yep. we have right now. Yeah, it is a fake table. It's museum quality. Um, how are you feeling, Rog? Well, you tell me how I should feel, seeing as you're the master. You should of get behind your team, yeah, and you should believe in them and believe in their ability. They do have tough fixtures, and they've got that Man City fixture oh. looming large. But my God, you've got the world rooting for Everton in that game. You've definitely got all the Liverpool fans. You've definitely got all the Chelsea fans rooting for Everton in that game. Um, How do I feel? Yes. I feel a bit like when you get... You know when you get a letter in the mailbox from Publishers Clearinghouse telling you you've won a million dollars? That's what I feel like. It's like it sounds great, but I'm going to recycle it. <laughs> yeah. like, I fell for it the first time. And the second, I'm not going to fall for it again. Do you think that... Is there a part of you that fears qualification for the Champions League in the same way that you felt that Europa League was a going to be a huge distraction and it would be a difficult thing for Everton because it doesn't bring in enough money for the for the wear and tear it will take on the squad next no, year. No, I don't. Do fear. you feel any of that with Champions League? I feel uh, no. I fear opening up my emotions to 
thinking I, we could possibly get for and having my dreams crushed it would be but you have no fear that if you make it to the Champions League that that's going to have oh, an the influx of money would be, would be the, phenomenal night and day with the Europa League look I got an email from Bob Lee yeah. lovely lovely Sir Bob of Lee telling me he, he just entitled it Dare to Dream and at the same time as that popped into my inbox my own dad called and his, his message he left a message on my voicemail and it said, take a photograph of the league table, Roger, with your cell phone, because this is going to be as good as it will get. And so somewhere, David, between those two great men, I think lies the truth. I will say, um, when I was home, Steve Coogan, talk, we talked on the last pod, he said that English people um, don't care about their own success. They draw far more pleasure from other people's failure. I just don't uh, one of the storylines I couldn't stand when I was home was the papers asked Sylvan Distan, Everton's defender, whether he'd prefer Everton to lose to City because even though it would harm Everton's top four chances, it would mean ending Liverpool's title chances. I just think that kind of conversation is ridiculous. I've never taken joy from Everton finishing above Liverpool. I don't feel any pleasure from Everton stealing Liverpool's opportunity. I care about Everton making top four. Just in the same way as I look at poor Gus Poyet, despondent post-game, and it breaks my heart for the Sunderland fans. He said, I feel there's something wrong in our football club. It's not an excuse. He said there's something terrible with the culture in Sunderland. And meeting Josie last week in Sunderland, surrounded by his family who'd flown over from Boca to be with him. He's, by the way, he's quite fine, well, almost noble. He's very realistic about what's going on there. I shot him for the, the documentary. He has his dignity intact. He's very focused for the World Cup. America, you do not have too much to worry about. But it made me think... What's been going on at Sunderland might not be down to Josie after all. Hmm. Well, no, I don't think it's all Josie's fault, without any doubt. Or you mean what's going on with Josie might be anything to do with Josie. It's more to do with Sunderland, point taken. Uh, Rog, in the FA crap, or as Arsenal fans call it, the most important cup in world football, the yep. most important trophy in world football, uh, Wigan won, Arsenal won, Arsenal win 4-2 on penalties. They come back after going a goal down as well, Rog. Uh, they beat the defending champions and uh, FA Cup specialist Wigan, but they need penalties to uh, claw themselves desperately towards a trophy on a day in which Per Mertesacker giveth and Per Mertesacker taketh away. As GFOP at Ryan Palmer 85 asked at many places, if FS2 is not available to anybody, does, Pierre Moore, does Piers Morgan make a sound? Oh, the oh. magic of the FA Cup, David. That's what it was when I was... It's the little teams. It's the little teams. Arsenal. Savor the result. Repress the memory of the performance. I thought it was phenomenal. Yeah. Um, do you remember watching Sesame Street when you were a kid? There was yeah. always one scene where a chef would walk out onto steps with some chicken pies and yeah. shout, two chicken pies! Yeah. And hilarity would always ensue as he then uh-huh. tripped over the steps and the chicken pie went all over himself. That's yeah. what watching Arsenal feels like. <laughs> well, yeah, but they're in a final and they're going to be playing Hull, Rog, uh, who beat Sheffield United 5-3. They reached the FA Cup final, Rog, for the first time in their 110-year history. A dramatic second-half comeback against gutsy League One, Rog, League One darlings from the third tier of English football, uh, Sheffield United. Yeah, Hull City, their formation changed. They moved to three strikers at half-time, and they smoked the old United, another proud football city. Congratulations to Hull. It's going to be fascinating. I, I must say, a lot of pluck for Arsenal. I do feel for them. I mean, for a lot of that game, it looked like they could possibly go out. The agonising shots of Arsenal fans in the stadium, proof of Jim Morrison's quote that life hurts a lot more than death. 
and then per Mertesacker nosing the ball in, Davo, he oh, faced right. he faced the ball in. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely magic. Should say about Arsenal, not a single English player took a penalty uh, for Arsenal. Kim Karlström took a penalty. Wow, hilarious looking bloke. He looks as if Val Kilmer had a baby with Alvin from Alvin and the Chipmunks. <laughs> um, he's he's, he's going to probably play two games for Arsenal and could win more trophies than RVP did the whole time. Credit Wigan, what a run, what a city. Northern Town in George Orwell's Road to Wigan Pier, the only town that has a national pie-eating contest on a yearly basis. Mm-hmm. Manchester City, well, Crystal we, we, Palace. We have to put a change to that. Cardiff City, all were beaten uh, on their run. I hope they get their reward and come back to the Premier League. But what can you say, Davo? To see Wenger suffer, suffering on the sideline like a fragile teacher with a kick-me-post-it on the back of his kind of blazer, should he still be there? If they do win the FA Cup and don't get fourth place which I, I think they probably still will is that enough? You know the thing I always ask myself to all the Arsenal fans who want him gone I'd love to know what the alternative is there seems to be this belief amongst those Arsenal fans that anyone in the world you know they criticise him for not buying a world class striker who is the world class striker that you would have bought that is readily available to go and bring Eto in Resba. Eto Eto Resba. Eto Res Bartle. Um, uh, who is the manager who's going to go and leap into taking this job everybody seems to think is Roberto Martinez if I'm Martinez and I'm about to make the Champions League oh, with Everton God. why are you going to go to Arsenal right now he's very very happy at Everton Football Club. So I'm not sure who that manager is that's going to go over there. Um, I think whatever happens, Arsene needs to stay at Arsenal. Whether he moves upstairs, um, I don't know. I do worry about his ability to communicate with young, modern footballers. Human beings. Well, he's just, he is a bit schoolmasterly. He is a sort of a French intellectual. He is of a different era. And you look, there's definitely a, a, an age shift amongst the successful coaches in football and their and, and their approach. He's an institution at a club that loves institutions, and I can't help think, Davo, that he's not almost still in a job because he's in, the club's owned by Stan Kroenke, a yeah. remote kind of distant landlord who cares about the club as a stable outpost of his empire more than an organisation that wins. Yeah, very very true. Uh, Rog, we should quickly sully ourselves at the bottom of the table. Uh, Sunderland, Cardiff, Fulham are the three teams in the drop zone. Sunderland looking very bleak for them. Four points adrift of 19th place Cardiff. Uh, six, uh, five points from Fulham. But you still have Norwich just two points above the drop zone. West Brom just three points ahead along with Swansea. Villa just four points ahead. Hull just six points ahead. Uh, but they've got a game in hand against many this of This was teams. a weaker lifeline. Lewis Holtby to Hugo Rodelega is a potent lifeline for Warby Parker's Felix Magath. They scored so many, Rodriguez, massive goals to save Wigan. Few players can find the net when their sphincter is so tight. But Norwich, they've a cuddly, slumping Norwich. They now face Liverpool, Chelsea, United and Arsenal. That's worse than uh, the USA's group in the World Cup. Doom, only doom, as Philip Larkin would say, life is slow dying. But Jason Punchin, wow, Crystal Palace. We talked about a rise, Sir Anthony Poulis. Yeah. Villa slumping at the wrong time for the second season in a row. Paul Lambert muttering about the need for one more win. Um, Southampton, Swansea and Hull await. Uh, Cardiff have got a little bit of hope. David Marshall, what a goalkeeper. Again, outstanding. Um, you know, it's all about for eking out points. And what the points make, David? Prizes. Points make prizes, always. Um, well, fascinating. Fascinating battle if, of If you were to bet, who would you say is going down then? Uh, 
Well, I think, you know, Sunderland have two games in hand down at there at the bottom. They've only played 16, 19 to the season, but I'm, I'd put my money on Sunderland going down. You just don't see the performances coming, coming there. But I've got to tell you, of the others, I don't like Norwich's position because I don't like their remaining fixtures. I don't know. I feel like Fulham are just going to scrape it through at the last minute. And uh, I, don't like, I don't like the position of Cardiff, to be honest. I'd, I'd say, I think, to me, Sunderland and Norwich are down. It's going to be one of Cardiff, Fulham and Aston Villa, who've lost four games on the trot. Wow. Trot. Trot. That's tight. <laughs> uh, Ravens. From Ben Colwell, Davenport, Iowa, USA. Dear Roger and Davo, why is it that not many soccer clubs wear green kits? The only clubs in the top two divisions of English football that have any green at all in their main kit are Norwich and Yeovil Town. And even there, green is more of a trim colour. Celtic Football Club would be an obvious choice for green kits, but again, it's mostly white. Green is also lacking in the other European power clubs, so what's the deal? Is it that green kits look bad on television, blending onto the green of the pitch? Or is it something else? (laughs) It's worth noting that national teams have no problem wearing green, so why the lack of green on the club side? Your take on the matter would be very much appreciated. Thank you very much for the quality podcast. Ben Colwell. You know, the most famous team, I think, who wore green... Other than, as he said, Irish national football team. San Etienne, Rog. They play in green. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful green. A lot of clubs do. Panathinaikos, Sporting Lisbon. The Torquay playing green. Or did I just make that up? Um, if they don't, They're no longer they in the football league. I think you might be mixing them up with FK Jabonle. Hibernian playing green. Hibernian play in the Arsenal shirt. Lech but instead Gidans. of it being red, they play with it in green. Circle Bougie. Yeah. Yeah. Um... I think it's associated with Catholicism. I think that's why it's not used. You do? Yeah. I mean, I think the origins, to be honest, lie in the 19th century roots of the game. But Catholicism, why? Well, because green being the colour of Celtic, I think it's seen as being a very Catholic colour. It's so interesting. Yeah. I've never thought of that. I mean, red and blue dye was just the most readily available, which is why there's so many red and blue teams. Goalkeepers tend to wear green also. I think that's the other reason, is that when we were growing up, almost every goalkeeper would wear a green jersey. I think it's because the New York Jets wear green. (laughs) Maybe. Uh, But I I looked into the... Or the Eagles. I looked into colour science, David. Yeah. Um, And um, blue is a preferred colour that attracts men. It stands for trust, dependable, strength. Red stands for youth, excitement and bold. Hmm. Someone at Warriors taking that a little too seriously. Green stands for peaceful, healthy, which is hardly intimidating. If I had a team, David, what colour would you make them wear? If you could, the Men in Blazers national team, what colour would they wear? I like my pinks, like Palermo. Yeah. You wear a bit of pink too. I love that. The Financial Times has a what you're wearing. Yeah. Where they ask very uh, bizarre euros what they wear. And they always say to you, what's your signature look? And I got panicked because I don't have one. And yeah. I started to wear pink shirts all the time. I'd consider green. Case. I'm wearing a green polo you today. Are, you look I like a bit you of look, green. You look um, peaceful, healthy, and not really intimidating. If I had a team, I'd make them play in the feathers of the northern gosh hawk. <laughs> the most vicious and largest hawk. <laughs> It would be very itchy, though, that shirt. But if a human appears to be a threat to the goshawk's nest, yeah. the raptor will swoop down and deliver skull-ripping blows. Yeah. And it likes to eat its prey while it's still alive. It's I think like it's Skirtle. I was going to say, it's the first version <laughs> of Martin Skirtle. Um, uh, next, Raven. Uh, this Next is from Goshawk. Sean, this is from Sean Carmody. Dear Rog and Davo, Rog has famously <laughs> stated that he would support a team made up of world dictators. 
versus Pol- Manchester Pol- United. Pol- the Impaler. I agree wholeheartedly. However, would you still support the same team if Piers Morgan were added as the goalkeeper? <laughs> oh, great question. This small but significant change would even make me buy a number 20 Man U Van Persie kit and wear it proudly, even as an Arsenal supporter. Who would you support in such a match? So basically, you have said you'll take world dictators. Yep. If, yeah. if Pol Pot was playing left back, Idi yeah. Amin was right back, and yeah. Vlad the Impaler and Ivan the Terrible were across the centre of defence. Is Hitler in this team? I think we've had this conversation before. He, did, he was in the 18, okay. the match day 18, but he didn't make the start in the 11. Yeah. Yeah. Did he make the bench? He's on the match day 18. He, oh, he could be there. He, I mean, they're okay. all in there. They're so, all so, in there. so over Manchester United, you're going to take... Mrs. Mrs. Thatcher playing at the front? <laughs> you're going to take the world dictators. You're going to take them. Yeah. I now, okay, but now... In the World Dictators team, somehow he gets a guest appearance. No doubt because he's, he's following them all on Twitter <laughs> and he's engaging in conversation with them. Piers Morgan gets to go and play in goal. Tweet for at the Idi world, Amin. Listen, for the, world, for the World Dictators. It's your, Idi. Uh, he, he goes and gets to go and play on that team. So Piers Morgan is in goal for the Dictators. And they're playing against Manchester United. Yeah. Who are you taking now? Are you taking United? Wait, it's a good week to ask the question because this was the week in which Piers Morgan had a Twitter battle, the most bizarre Twitter battle I've ever seen, I think, with Richard Deitch of Sports he Illustrated. He clearly had no idea who he was. But they kept telling him that as if, you don't have a Wikipedia page. Who are you? I don't even know you. <laughs> I know. And then he called him, this is what he called him. Richard fast. Deitch's response to that, that... That obviously the quality journalism that basically his journalism involves looking up people on Wikipedia <laughs> and then he called it he looked found a photo of Richard Deitch mm-hmm. and said you're fat you're fat a great I mean it's like a seven year old on a schoolyard Pop Richard Deitch black. great line my weight goes up and down Piers your ratings only go one way you've got to look this up somehow John Legend even becomes involved well Sucked because Chrissy by- Teigen <laughs> Chrissy Teigen his wife who's a, who's a, a major tweeter uh, got involved. It was it was really remarkable. It was but horrible. It was, it was Piers Morgan's use of the word mate. Whenever he's getting into a conflict, that he uses the word mate in order to try and sound harder and more street than he than he than he really is. My mother had a phrase when I was young. Yeah. If I did something like I forgot my lunchbox or literally, you know, wasn't where I was meant to be when I was picked up. If I was six or seven, I did something bad. She'd scream when she got really upset with me. She'd scream and say, you're worse than a murderer. That was her phrase, you're worse than a murderer. And I've got to say, he's a bloviator, Piers Morgan. But on Twitter, the argument with Richard Deitch, I found it very upsetting because it was just the ugly, ugly side of humanity that came out in his arguments. I don't understand why he does it, how he does it. It makes me feel sick about human nature. It's the worst of humanity. I think I'd be cheering for United. Huh. Richard Deitch, we should say, a genuinely good guy. And he's for, for a, a mainstream American sports writer has taken a particular interest in soccer and the great sport of soccer and good journalism and good, good commentary. His point that started it all off, by the way, was he said that Fox Sports' decision to put Piers Morgan on the FA Cup broadcast is why many fans do not trust Fox with the World Cup. I'm great friends with these guys over at Fox Sports. I do trust them with the World Cup. Coach Warren Barton is I the coach do of the trust them with the World Cup. They did an amazing job with the Premier League for years. And where nobody else, after shape. Yeah, where nobody else was interested in the Premier League, Fox Sports got behind it. I think we have to give them a lot of credit. I do trust them with the World Cup. However, I don't understand what Piers Morgan... It would be as ridiculous as asking us to go on the FA Cup broadcast, Rog. Come on, United. <laughs> Come on, United. <laughs> 
Now, Rog, who's joining us on today's show? It's our mystery guest, Steve. Going to bring Haim onto the pod to talk football. Um, our guest today, yeah. our favourite sister-based indie rock trio from the San Fernando Valley, SD, Danielle and Alana, released their full first-length album, Days Are Gone, in 2013. The album sold 90,000 copies in its first week, debuted at number six in the US and number one in the UK, the discerning UK. It was named to the top 50 albums of the year by Paste, Rolling Stone, Stereo Gum, Pitchfork, Spin, Complex, and of course Men in Blazers. The band is poised to embark on a massive US tour. They're going to then head out to Europe. Um, we welcome to the pod Esti Hayim, older sister and bassist Alana, rhythm guitar, keyboards, percussion, and the youngest in the family, and if rumour is to be believed, the most natural footballing talent of all. Welcome to the pod. Hi, him, and happy Passover to all. Ah, yeah. oh, what a joy to have you. What a joy to have you. One of the big, one of the, the, the things that we love about you is like many of the best things in life, and I'm referring to football, you quickly became massive in the United Kingdom. What was it that attracted English people to your valley sound? I don't know. I think whenever we come to the UK, we kind of bring a lot of Cali sunshine because um, it's very, very uh, grey in the UK, and I think we bring the sunshine. We always say there's thimblefuls of sunlight in England. Well, well, whenever we go to the UK, we make sure to tweet at Mother Nature to have the sun come out when we get there. <laughs> so usually she listens. Well, on behalf of a grateful nation. We're eternally thankful. Football, or you say soccer, runs in your blood. I know your father, Mordechai, Moti Chaim. He sounds like a remarkable bloke. Bulgarian, moved to Israel after the Holocaust, was an Israeli soccer player. Maccabee, Jaffa in the 1970s. There's three things I like more than an Israeli soccer player. Such a myth so league. Can you tell us some of the family stories Moti tells about life lived in the Israeli Football League? Well, my dad is the self-proclaimed superstar of Maccabi Yafo. <laughs> um, he always, you know, he has photo albums full of um, articles, of, you know, about him playing soccer and, you know, winning games and him making the winning, you know, goal. Um, I can't read any of it because it's all in Hebrew. But um, I take his word for it. He can pretty well tell um, you whatever he wants. Is that the story? Pretty. I mean, he pretty much could. I mean, there's pictures of him. So, I mean, I can kind of ascertain what's going on from the pictures. But, I mean, he could tell me that, you know, he scored six goals in one game, and I would probably believe him. <laughs> you know, and also every kid growing up kind of thinks that their dad is, like, a, a superhero. And so we grew up, you know seeing videos and, you know, magazine articles about our dad and in the Israeli newspaper. And, you know, he played soccer in L.A. too, and we would go to his games. And I think we always just looked up to our dad as kind of this, you know, almost like Superman-like character that, you know, would win soccer games. And at the same time, you know, he just had to ride bikes, you know, <laughs> and then also take us for ice cream after. So he was kind of the best dad ever. I, I read a great quote from you, Alana. You said, my dad wanted three boys. He was a football player. All he wanted was three boys so he could have a mini soccer team in the house. But he got three girls, which I think is payback for all the women he screwed over in the past when he was a hotshot woman. That is, that's accurate. <laughs> that is more than accurate. 
that is right on, spot on. But he still, he still took you out to the football fields. Football does run a little bit in the family blood. Where did you guys learn to love the game? Um, I mean, I see and Danielle both tried football, both tried to be footballers, but I think I was the one that kind of took the reins on the football, you know, legacy of my dad. I won a bunch of trophies growing up, and I was a center mid, like my dad. I wanted to be left defense, but my dad wanted me to be center mid. I was like, all right, it's the most running. <laughs> I'm not the best runner, but... It was okay. I did my exercise. I got my exercise. What kind of of a player were you? I imagine you being like the Jewish Megan Rapinoe. I was pretty aggressive. I definitely got a couple yellow cards in my uh, in my uh, career. You got the balls to the face too. (laughs) Not in the face. Not in the face. I bled a lot actually. I ended up on like every. I think I bled once every game. I was very aggressive. Can, I mean, you know what? We need to see some. Fa- we need to see some photos of Motti Haim in action. We, the world needs to see some photos of you, Alana, uh, in action. Blood or no blood? Do you guys? Uh, is it mostly your connection to the U.S. team, or do you actually follow the game uh, in kind of a, a more regular fashion? No, we do. I mean, I've never been. Ta- I've been to the U.K. a million times, and no one has ever taken me to a football game. It's my, yeah, like, what's dream. up with that? It's my dream to go to a football game. I've like dreamt about it since I was a kid. You have and you have never truly been that means to England until you go to a game. We're gonna... I know. Oh, believe me, I know. Is there a particular team that you follow? I don't. I think it's dangerous to tell what team I That's follow. Dangerous territory. We're not going to fall into that trap. Drake seemed to get around it when he came on the show. He told us that he followed United, Manchester City. Liverpool and Arsenal. He kind of spread his bets like he was playing blackjack at the casino. No, you, can't, you can't follow all those teams. That's not fair. <laughs> we're we're going to get it out of you. Out. I love, that's a sophisticated approach to... I, I've got a feeling. I've got a feeling with that kind of level of sophistication and nuance about the English game, one of you could be an Everton fan. How did you guys get roped into the promotion for the new American, the US men's national team road jersey? I think someone um, that knows someone who knows someone who does someone's hair for <laughs> Nike um, told them that we're soccer fans and that our dad played soccer and that we play soccer. And I guess somehow word got around. And next thing we knew, I was picking up the phone to some some homie that was like, hey, do you want to put on a, a Nike soccer jersey and, and rep the U.S. in, in, the, in the World Cup? It's kind of hard to say no to something like that. It is. I don't even think no is a word that kind of is a word that comes into your brain when Nike calls. You know, it's kind of like yes, no matter what. And um, yeah, and so we did it, and it was great, and it was really fun. And my dad came, and at the photo shoot, we had a soccer game in the photo like lab. I won, by the way. <laughs> I'm, I'm the best shooter. I can't, sure. I can't believe Nike edited uh, out Motti, uh, Motti Chaim from the photo. They didn't know they had a bona fide day. I know. He was right, he was right next to us. They totally photoshopped him out. I know. He was photobombing our picture. <laughs> I mean, I've got to say, the jersey, a lot of people think it looks like a French flag or, or a Russian ice hockey thing. But you, I've got to say, you made it work, that jersey. 
Thank you. It was really fun. I, I like the message. It, it looks kind of like a kid's pajama top, the away jersey. It, it kind of tells Ghana, Portugal and Germany we can just roll out of bed in our PJs and crush you. We, we had the national on here and, and we had Drake, as I mentioned earlier, and we asked them the same question. If you were asked, Haim, to record the official song for the U.S. men's national team before the World Cup, would you, uh, would you sign up if you were tapped for that giant task? I mean, I think Ricky Martin kind of has that market on lock. I don't know if I could, <laughs> I don't know if I could f*** with that. He's kind of, isn't he kind of like the go-to World Cup guy? Yeah, I know we need to, I think from the American approach, you need something that's a bit more unorthodox, a little more creative. If I were you, I'd be trying to work out as you go around on your tour bus what rhymes with Jürgen, what rhymes with Klinsman, what rhymes with Kyle Beckerman, and I'd just try and start working it into it. Although running If You Call My Name, I do, if, if I was going to pick one song, that could well be, that, that one could be made for the US team. I mean, it's pretty fitting. It's a pretty fitting soccer song. With my eyes closed, my I see the door open wide. All I remember growing up playing soccer as a kid was my father screaming at me. I guess I had some weird form of dyslexia where I would always go the opposite way of where everyone else was running. But the ball was going one way, I would go the opposite way. And then I would do ballet on the field. I would treat it like a dance recital. And so if my dad was running, when I was running and my dad was calling my name, it was because I was going the opposite way of the ball and he wanted me to go towards the goal. And I was... As he was, was less aggressive than I was. was, just, I, was I was a way meaner player. Uh, you, sound, you, sound, you won't know who this is, but you sound a little bit like the American Stephen Naismith. I'm liking what you're hearing. This is Men in Blazers Passover special. Have you got big plans for, uh, for, for Passover tonight? Yeah, we're going to my cousin Nancy's house in Westwood. We're going to schlep over the hill. We're going to four or five traffic and um, find the Afikomen at my cousin Nancy's house. There's no better way to celebrate the move from slavery to freedom than conquering the 405. It's true. I know. We're basically making a pilgrimage ourselves. We're basically going through the quote-unquote uh, desert, if you will, <laughs> braving the traffic on the 405. It's almost biblical. I'll bring plenty of matzo with me, though. Before You need the matzo. Before we let you go on that odyssey, that desert odyssey, that transformational trek, can we get a prediction for the U.S.? World Cup performance in Brazil 2014, which, is, which will be its own kind of odyssey from hopefully from slavery to freedom. What are you feeling? Well, I mean, we're going to go all the way. We've got to rep the U.S. Got to rep it. We're going to go all the way. I hope so. I, I love it. I love your enthusiasm. I love your positivity. You're actually speaking to people, David and myself on the show. We predicted that the U.S. will be winning it all, and it's nice to have a couple of sane remarkable human beings join us on the show and feel the same it's very validating we wish you great luck on your tour godspeed as you get through europe the club that you will not tell us who you do support please go and see them and then report back to us when you're back 
in, uh, in the United States, and we will continue. But Godspeed and happy Pesach. Happy Pesach. Rock on, Heim. Thanks for coming on. That was the most exciting thing that ever happened on the pod to my nine-year-old daughter. <laughs> Honestly, they're the only band I know who are simultaneously on on Sirius. They're on Hits 1, which is actually channel number two on Sirius. Plus, they're on the uh, Sirius XMU, the sort of the indie uh, college station. I think they're phenomenal. They're role models for today's American youth. They are. Uh, your weekend looks like this, Roger. Norwich versus Norwich versus Liverpool, Sunday, April 20th at 7am <sighs> on the NPC Sports Network. Chelsea versus Sunderland on Sunday, April 20th, 9.05am on the NBC Sports Network. After you've watched amazing football, Norwich, Liverpool, you'll then have to watch Chelsea, Sunderland. Everton versus Manchester United, Sunday, oh, April 20th, Greek 11, tragedy in the making, David. Eastern Time on the NBC Sports Boys. Network. You're going to be fine. You're going to skin them. Many ways to connect to us. One is our Amazon Emporium, which oh. helps keep the show going. Anytime you go to Amazon for items, big or small, just click. Uh, to Amazon through the Emporium page, through the Emporium link. Uh, at anything anything you're buying, it helps support the production of this show, and we it are indebted. Does, without a doubt. We really are. A tiny percentage goes to us that allows us to cover the cost of the show. Uh, in its honor, we've birthed a new feature. And by the way, thanks to all GFOPs who are buying some of these things yeah. as well. We really appreciate we need it. The, we need the percentage because we need the black hair dye that yeah, sports exactly. cast I know. Look, we also need hair. That's Bo- the problem. Botox. <laughs> right now, it would just be my big spammer. Bo- look, Botox look, look. doesn't buy itself. I'll there tell you, you I looked at it. I, I've got a new mirror in the, uh, in the Manloft trademark pending. And, uh, and it's where I can see in the reflection the back of my head. And I was looking at it this morning. The top of my head is so shiny at yeah. this point. Yeah. It's what? just disturbing. It looks like Brendan Rodgers' teeth. Go on. <laughs> it really does. Uh, anyway, Emporium Choices. What's your uh, Emporium Choices? Oh, a great book. A great book, Dave. Yeah. We've talked a lot on this show about the ball is round, the epic history. Massive, yeah. massive, sprawling, 1,100 pages. Football history. Brendan McCarthy mentioned it. Billy Bean mentioned it. Written by the great David Goldblatt from England. It's just released a, a, a beautifully timed, a much thinner tome, Football Nation, the story of Brazil through soccer. It's a concise rather densely written history of Brazilian football, kind of delving beyond the myth of beautiful football and looking at how the military dictatorships and politicisation of the game have shaped it, what we know often wrongly as Yoga Benita. Um, I'm working on a 30 for 30 right now about the 1950 World Cup team that failed to win um, on home turf in Brazil and the, the scapegoating of the goalkeeper, Barbosa, and it's worth reading that book for that story alone. Wow. Okay, great job. I'm going to get that, Rog. Um, look, my one, this is the most expensive item I've ever put in the store. I'm not uh, in, in any way advocating that, that all of you buy it. But if just one of you buys it, I feel like I would have changed someone's life uh, for the positive save-up. If somebody owes you $1,500 yeah. and you're worried that they're never going to give you the cash, you know what, email them later and tell them what you want is the Peachtree Audio Nova 125 Hybrid Integrated Amplifier with built-in DAC. It's pure I like it in the cherry. Look, how good-looking does that look? It's just a great-looking piece of stereo equipment. This is... I went into this very sophisticated, you know, hi-fi, you know, uh, you know what do they call them? They're like... Uh, shops. Yeah, no, like... No, Stores. Yeah, shops. No, shops. They're uh, sort of, you know... High quality audio stores where they're really, you know, the audiophile kind of places. And I said, if I bought one piece 
of audio equipment. What should I buy? And they said, if you buy one thing... And they looked at you and were like, here's some guy that's walked in that's going to give us lots of money without knowing what it's for. And, and I, I went, said, no, we've got and something special I, anyway, for you, So sir. I didn't believe them. I went off, I researched, and I went, wonderful thing about about uh, new media, you go and research, you research what other people say, and then I shopped around and I got it at a best price on Amazon. I got, I got it last week, Rog. I should have made a video unboxing this and plugging it in, and the look in my eyes... And the look in my ears, Rog, the second oh, the I started, the look in my ears, the, the look second, the ears. look in my ears yeah. when I started hearing the sound that came out of this with my old, my old B&W speakers. Did Heim just sound different on it, David? Heim sounded uh, pff, angels. Do I not know Heim? You don't know Heim because you haven't listened. You don't know Heim. The Peachtree Audio Nova 125 hybrid integrated amplifier with built-in DAC. It is amazing. What they do, you know the way that we constantly say on the radio is that we missed, we missed the crackle of the needle on vinyl, the stylus on vinyl before, when we were playing, we were playing hanging on the telephone, yeah. playing a flock of seagulls, playing the last, we just missed the sound. What this amplifier does with digital audio files, the way it makes them sound analog again, <laughs> moist. Do you know what was number one when Liverpool last won the title? What? I looked it up today. I love it. A long haired lover from Liverpool. No, no, what was it? Vogue by Madonna. Whoa. That's how long ago it was. That's how long ago it was, David. <laughs> I'm not, I was going to tell you the whole story about I went running at the weekend past Madonna's new house. Madonna is building a house yeah. behind my house in the Hamptons. And I've been going and checking out the whole process of it. But it's not that interesting. But I find it quite interesting because I like construction. <laughs> Residential by pop stars. Uh, okay, Rog. Uh, new listeners, download our newly released album. Which well, actually, you can hear not on, so newly released. Hear on, yeah. New listeners, Wood, download our oldly released album. Yes, you can listen to it on your, uh, your uh, Peachtree Audio, Nova 125. Uh, it sounds uh, even more suboptimal. Yeah, Men in Blazers unbuttoned. Now that that's what I call suboptimal. Until you listen to it on the uh, on the Peachtree Audio, uh, you can follow us at meninblazers.com. Follow us on Twitter at meninblazers, which is usually Rog at Rog Bennett, which no, is always Rog, and at Embassy Davies, which is mostly me. Uh, like us on Facebook. Send your emails to meninblazers at gmail.com. Send your ravens to the crap part of Soho, Rog. Um, I'm going to be in L.A. a lot in the upcoming weeks. I'm actually leaving for Holland uh, tomorrow for a few days. And then, uh, but my God, the final three to four weeks of the Premier League season, Roger, it's going to be amazing stuff. Vendepunkt. Oh, war pig, man. Boom, patterns. Dominate. Courage. Who wants to sex Martin Skirtle? Is that your analysis? Kung Fu fight in America. Love uh, you, David. Love you, Roger. Thank you for listening to Grantland. To hear more Grantland shows in your earballs, Subscribe to Grantland Sports and Grantland Pop Culture on iTunes. Or go to grantland.com and click on Podcasts.